if the word is greater or but when you're settled on what's greater it settles things for you amen he's greater and his word is greater amen amen hallelujah hallelujah when you walk out of the service, that thrill will be done. Thank God for the music, but it's the Word that thrills us. That's what we're rejoicing about. Amen. Hallelujah. It's not just a beat. I mean, down at the bar, the, the beat thrills them. Yeah, come on. But it's the Word that thrills us. And that's the difference. Amen. Hallelujah. That means you can keep rejoicing even when the music stops. Because you, it wasn't the music you were rejoicing about. You re might have been rejoicing with it, but not about it. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful for the word? And Dad Hagen would tell us it's when you get thrilled with the word that it works for you. Amen. So you can say this, I'm thrilled with the word and it works for me. Amen. It works. The word works for me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So turn to your neighbor and say, the word always works for me. Yeah, hallelujah. Now go with me, if you would, to Philippians chapter 4. Aren't you thankful for the word? 
If it weren't for the word, you wouldn't think right. None of us would think right. Yeah, none of us would think right. And I tell you, the word, the word makes you look better. Yeah. You can turn to your neighbor and say, you know, you're easier to look at tonight because of the word. <laughs> now, I didn't hear anybody repeating that. I didn't hear any of that. <laughs> Hallelujah. Philippians, are you? Yeah. All right. Philippians chapter 4. Let's look at verse 10. Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. Paul was acknowledging something that these people here, he, anybody know where Paul was when he wrote this letter? Where was he? He was in prison. Philippian jail there. He was in the, he was in the prison there and... Uh, he said he's acknowledging because, you know, back there uh, in those times, it wasn't about prisoners' rights. <laughs> you know, three hot meals a day and television and, you know, newspapers, all this kind of stuff. Uh, there, it wasn't about prisoners' rights. And if you were going to receive care in prison, somebody had to send care your direction. Yeah. And so Paul said, he's acknowledging, he said, you know, before you, you sent care in my direction. And he said, and now you've done it again. And he's acknowledging that. And that's what we see in verse 10. He says, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again. Wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Look at verse 11. He says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever circumstance I am therewith to be content. Listen, he's not telling you to be content with every circumstance. He's saying be content in every circumstance. And there's a difference, because if you're content with the wrong thing, the wrong thing will keep moving in your yeah, life. That's good. That's good, I've learned this about God. He'll let you have everything you're okay with. If you're okay with symptoms, he'll let you have that. If you're okay with kids that talk back to you, he'll let you have that. If you're okay with a bad marriage, he'll let you have that. But if you ever stand up and say, you know what, I'm not okay with this anymore. And if you decide you're not okay with what you've been okay with, his power will be there to back up what you're reaching for. Amen. So he's not telling us to be content with everything that's going on maybe around your life, but you can certainly be content in it. That those circumstances don't have to unsettle you. And those circumstances don't have to trouble and disturb you. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And I want to read to you then out of the Amplified of verse 11. I love this passage. He says, not that I am implying that I was in any personal want. In other words, he, he wasn't out giving his testimony that some, you know, in pastoring over 20 years now, I've had to stop some people's testimony of faith what they called their testimony of faith. Out in, the, out, in the, out in the foyer saying, you know, I'm believing God for my mortgage. You know, I don't have money and I'm believing God. And they're trying to pilfer money out of people. Paul said, I wasn't doing that. He said, uh, I, I wasn't speaking in respect of my want. But he said uh, here in verse 11, not that I'm implying that I was in any personal want. Look at this next phrase, for I have learned... I don't care how long you've been walking with God, there's still more to learn. Yeah. And uh, I don't care how, how, how well we can quote the word, there's still more to learn. He says, for I have learned. I have learned. You know, your spouse can't learn some things for you. Right. Your pastor can't learn some things for you. All they can do is take what they've learned and assist you in your learning. But we must all do our own learning. He says, for I have learned... What's he saying? What's, what, what have you learned, Paul? I've learned how to be content. Yeah. 
And then I love what the Amplified says. It goes further here, and it gives us what this word content means. Satisfied to the point where I'm not disturbed or disquieted in whatever state I am. You know, at each new phase of ministry and each new level of ministry, anytime God's going to bring you into more, there's going to be opposition. And we're going to have to learn how that opposition doesn't become a cloud over our head. And our face looks sad and our carriage be drooped. And our testimony change and our expressions change because faith is evident on the face. You know, you carry, you carry what you're believing on your countenance. Yeah, that's right. You can put on makeup, ladies, but I guarantee you, you, you still can't, you, you can't scrub off what you're believing. Amen. And it, it, even, if you, even if there's a lot of pressure, keep the countenance of faith going. You don't have to come to church looking all sad and... Because if you do, we, it, it just shows there's more to learn. I have learned. I'm learning how to be content. I'm learning how not to carry uh, anything negative on my face, in my speech, in my heart. I've learned how to be content. Satisfied to the point to where I'm not disturbed. This is what I'm reaching for. This is what I'm reaching for. That I, I reach at such an understanding and such a flow of being content that nothing disturbs me, no matter what pressure there is, yeah. no matter what opposition there is. Now notice, he's in a place, a very difficult place when he's writing this. He's not sitting at home, you know. He's not, he's not amongst all of his family and friends and his loved ones. He's in one of the darkest places a man could ever find himself, and he's there wrongfully. Wow. Wow. Wrongfully, he's, he's in that prison. He's not a criminal. He's not a violator of humanity. He's not a lawbreaker. And he's there wrongfully, and he says in that, sitting in that difficult place. How many of you know that if you ever, I've gone and preached in prisons, and I want you to know the atmosphere is not charged with goodness. And and Dad Hagen told us that, that Jesus told him there are three places in the earth, especially, that demons congregate. And one of them were prisons. And Paul's sitting in one of those places. You know, and he said, from that difficult, hard place, I've learned how to be content. What a a word we we have. What a God we have. That no matter how dark something looks, no matter how oppressive a situation may seem, he says, I've learned how to be content. Satisfied to the point that I'm not disturbed. He's saying, I'm not disturbed about where I'm sitting. I'm not, I'm not disturbed about the, my surroundings. I'm not disturbed about my location. Come on. Many need to quit being disturbed about their location. You know, I, I've learned this in pastoring. There are people that God has sent to us that, to pastor and to, and to teach and train because they had calls on their life, but they got disturbed about their location because they wanted their own ministry. Come on. Come on. And they weren't content in their location. Come on. Oh, they, they, they were serving us with their eye on theirs. And then they got pulled prematurely away from the place that God wanted them to be because they weren't content to be where they were at. And I decided I'm not going to, I'm not going to forfeit up today by looking at tomorrow and wishing that, that I had something more that tomorrow might have for me. I decided I'm going to love today. I'm going to enjoy today. I'm going to be content today. Amen. And he says, I've learned how to be content. Notice he didn't say, I'll be content when all of this is over. He wasn't waiting for, he wasn't waiting for the devil to leave him alone before he was undisturbed. What, what, what a slap in the face of the enemy that no matter where you put me, I'm content. Yes, hallelujah. I remember years ago, probably about 14 years ago or so now, we were in the back room with Dad Hagen after a service, and he was just sitting, you know, back there just praying in the Spirit, and he, we were sitting, you know, next to him, and he reached over and just took my husband's hand and patted it and said, laugh your way through it. We didn't know what he was talking about. But about two weeks later, he was diagnosed with cancer. 
But see, Dad Hagen already told us, laugh your way through it. In other words, be content no matter what you face. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Don't yield up your joy. Don't yield up your victory. And, and after, after he was diagnosed with that, he went home and talked to God, and he said, God, where did I open the door? And, the, and God told him, there's two places where you open the door. And it said, okay, I repent. I close the door. And God said, okay, in 30 days it'll all be gone, and it was gone. Why? We weren't waiting for the situation to correct itself before we were content. Before we were joyful. That's so good. And if you're waiting for things to go back into place before you enjoy living, you've got some more to learn. Because the victory that belongs to you and the peace that belongs to you is for the difficult type places. Yes. It's for the difficult times. Yes. It's not just for when everything's in place and all is sunny. It's for the difficult time. And if yes. you haven't learned how to flow in peace and joy, even when there's pressure, even when there's opposition, it's just a sign there's more for us to learn. Yes. And Paul said, I had to learn this. I had to learn this. He says, I have learned how to be content, satisfied to the point where I'm not disturbed or disquieted whatever state I am. And I know that if I'm not content, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm disturbed, if I'm unsettled, then there's something I need to correct. Not something that needs to leave me alone, but something I need to correct in my understanding and in my action. That's right. So good, Pastor. So good. Amen. I'm going to tell you something. You are not the devil's victim. Quit. Don't live like his victim. Like, like any time he pounces, you're his bait. Come on now. And you're just bare knuckling your way through tests and trials. That's not victory. That's not your position. And if the devil could do anything to you anytime he wanted to, because he can't. If he could do anything to you anytime he wanted, why would he have to deceive you first? That's right. Oh, that's so good. He's got to deceive you into thinking that he can work some things. Now, how many of you know that you can have somebody that can be on your front porch? They can be knocking on your door, but that's not a sign they're in your house. And the devil may knock at your door with some things, but that's not a sign he's in your house. I've learned this. Uh, you know, people will get unsettled. I'll have somebody that may come up maybe a congregation member, say, Pastor Nancy, for weeks and months, I just, the devil's just been banging on my head and banging on my head and banging on my head about something. And I said, well, that's a good sign you're winning. Yeah. They go, what do you mean? I said, well, someone start, once they're in, in the house, they quit banging on the door. Oh, my goodness. If they're banging, if you can still sense that banging, that Come means on. you still got the door closed Come to on, it. Come on, Pastor. Wow, 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 wow. Amen. So... That's a good sign you're doing it right by keeping the door closed to them because you can still hear them banging on that door. Yeah. Amen. Well, now, and Paul says, I have learned how to be content, satisfied. Listen to that. Satisfied to the point where I'm not disturbed. Yeah. Not disturbed. God said something to me years ago. He said, if, if any part of you is disturbed, it's because a measure of you is believing the wrong thing. In a measure, you're believing the wrong thing. Because if you're disturbed, you're believing the wrong thing. Because when you believe the right thing, you're, you're never disturbed because you, you know how it's going to come out. Remember, I was, I was giving the testimony, uh, I guess it was yesterday morning when I, when I was teaching. And uh, there was this elderly woman, uh, a black woman, who was part of the Azusa Street Revival. And they brought, she heard a knock on her door. And when she opened it, there was the doctor standing, the city, the town doctor standing there, and he says, I've got your daughter in my car. And uh, said, her appendix burst, and I'm going to drive her to the nearest hospital, which was an hour and a half away. And he says, by the time I get her there, she'll be dead. So I, I thought I'd stop off and let you see her, see if you want to say goodbye to her before I make the trip. And she said, no, you go on. She didn't go out to see the daughter laying in the back of the, the doctor's car, and she shut the door. She went in the house and said, God, I want you to know that I know that you know that I know. Yeah. That was her prayer. Yeah. I, you know, I, I want you to know, I know that you know that I know. Yeah. What's that, what, what is that prayer? That's an undisturbed. Yeah. That's an undisturbed so way. She didn't wail and cry and fall on the floor. And, and in 15 minutes later, just that simple prayer didn't go into intercession. Now, don't misunderstand me. There may be times the Spirit may move on you that way. Yeah, right, right, right. 
But you can pray, you can pray with, with, uh, because you're untroubled. And it's not faith stirring you to pray. It's not the Spirit stirring you to pray. It's, it's being troubled and, and you pray and, and there's no faith really with it. And so after 15 minutes, there's a knock on the door and after that knock on the door, uh, she goes to the door and there's that, there's that doctor standing there holding her daughter side by side just with his arm around her. And he said, we just got a few minutes down the road and said, she sat up in the back of the seat and said, I'm healed, I'm healed. Take me back home. Hallelujah. And she was perfectly healed. Why? Because she refused to be disturbed. If the mother would have responded wrong, the situation would have went differently. Yeah. If you respond wrong, the situation will turn out differently. Oh, come on. Come on, that's you good. understand that? That's good, Pastor. And so the devil comes to try to apply pressure and try to oppose because he wants situations to turn out his way. But Paul is telling us if you learn how not to be disturbed and you learn not to be troubled by something, it'll turn out God's way. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And we can say, that we can say Paul, how, how, how did you learn to be undisturbed? What, 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 what did you, what, how did you learn to be undisturbed in this very difficult, dark, oppressive place that you were in, that you weren't unsettled? In fact, they call it his, his, his most joyful letter he ever wrote. It was in this prison that he wrote, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I mean, he's writing to people that aren't in prison telling them how to behave right. Come on. Oh, my. That's so good. Wow. You know, we have, we have a precious lady who's part of our church. I don't know quite how long they've been there, maybe a year or so, but uh, this woman had been saved a long time. She's from uh, Harmony. She's from, she's from Nigeria. And her and her daughter and her, son and, and her son-in-law, they come to our church with, with uh, the daughter's children. And uh, she, started, she started, I think, bleeding internally or something. And, and the doctors told her, they said, you've got cancer. We, we know it's cancer and all that. So she went into the hospital, and uh, she just she took her Bible with her. And then we sent some CDs, you know, with healing scriptures on them to her. And she sat and listened to those. And Morgan went in to, to visit her and to see her and said she was talking faith. And Morgan says, I came out of her hospital room edified. She edified me. I went in to edify her, and she edified me. She was preaching the healing word so strong in there and speaking it so boldly that Morgan says, I came out of there feeling better. Hallelujah. And so the doctors went in. They said, well, we're going to go, go do some exploratory surgery. You'll be in there, you know, I don't know how long did they say, four hours or so, something like that. And uh, they took her into surgery. They came back after 15 minutes. They opened her up, couldn't find anything, closed her back up after 15 minutes, and all the symptoms had left. And she came back and gave the testimony, and she said, you know, I wasn't concerned about what the doctors were saying. I was concerned about what I was saying. Yeah. Yes. Right. Hallelujah. Some people trip up over what others are saying, and you need to, you need to understand it's not what others are saying that are, that are your halting place. It's what you're saying. Yeah. And, and I, I said to her later, I said, thank you for being the testimony to this Glory congregation to that they can see what the Word does and how the Word works and how you stand on the Word. And she was just joyful. She was joyful and, and blessed and, 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 and really spiritually bounding even in that difficult place and her family, and there was joy on their face. And I want you to know our lives should be an example of what it, what it means to be undisturbed. So we can say, Paul, how did you learn that? Well, go with me, if you would, to Psalms 23, and we're going to see something that we have to remember if we're going to stay in this place that God has authored for us. Psalms chapter 23. Don't you love the Word? Hallelujah. Verse 1, Psalm 23, verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd. Well, that's a good way to start. Yeah. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Why? I'll never lack for anything. Why? Because I have a shepherd. He already answered that, why we won't want, because he's our shepherd. Verse 2, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. What are green pastures? Total provision. Not a burned out field. A green field. 
full of supply. He leadeth me beside the still waters. How many of you know it's not drama in chaotic waters? It's not drama in life that God wants for you. It's still things. That's still flow. Yeah, no rapids, no turbulent waters. He restores my soul. How does he restore my soul? Well, as you, as you renew your mind with the word, as you feed on the word, then he's able to restore your soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And I like this. this if I could say it, the way David wrote this, there's a flinging away of this, of this thought here. Yes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Yes, yeah, I know that. Because what is he referring to? This earth is the valley of the shadow of death, not heaven. But this earth, yeah, yes, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death. And he gets to the real point, I'll fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. Yeah, yeah. When you remember, when you remember who's with you. Yes, you're going to walk through the valley of shadow of death. You're going to walk through the place where Satan is called the God of this world. But the thing is, the thing to remember is that he's with you. God's with you. And then look at this next verse in verse 5. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. This is what I want you to see. Uh, God's telling you he prepares a table before you. What's the table he's prepared before you? The table of his word. You can sit at the table of his word and eat all day long. Feast on it. Amen. There's, there, there's new wine on that table. The new wine of the Holy Ghost. There's the, word of the, there's the water of the word. Drink it all day long. There's the, there's the bread of healing and deliverance. Jesus told the Syrophoenician woman, it's not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. What was she asking for? Deliverance. Healing for her daughter. So on that table is spread the bread of healing and deliverance. Then also on that table is the meat. What's the meat? The meat of God's will. Jesus said, my meat is to do the will of oh, him that good. sent me. That's good. The meat of his will. Then not only that, we got the fruits of the Spirit. Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. That's Praise right. God. I don't know about you, but I appreciate that God didn't assign anything to vegetables. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> Come on. But as we sit at the table of the Word, when we come to church services, we're sitting at the table. Yes. Now, you can be sitting at the table and not be partaking of anything on the table. On. So just, just being at the table doesn't mean that you're eating because there, there are many times I've cooked meals and no one but me. <laughs> they were at the table, but the, the spread wasn't appetizing, you know. <laughs> But he's saying, thou preparest a table before me. Notice the next phrase, in the presence of mine enemies. Why are you going to go through this life and sense pressure? Why are you going to go through life and hear the accusations of the enemy? Why are you going to go through this life and have tests and trials for one reason? The enemy's present. He's present. That just because you can sense him doesn't mean your faith is failing. Just because you can sense him, just because you can hear him, doesn't mean the word's not working. All it means is one thing, he's present. Yes. Yes. Don't give him any more credit than being present. Yes, that's right. Well, that's good. But you know what? You can go outside and there's roaches present. Come on. There's squirrels present. There's rabbits present. Coons present. Yeah, all, kind of, all in your backyard, raccoons, yeah. <laughs> Now, they congregate there. You're having a good fellowship back there. They're present. But just because they're present doesn't mean they're winning. That's right. And Paul was saying, oh, yeah, I'm sitting in a difficult place. And the enemy's present, but there's a table. There's a table. There's a supply. There's something else that God's put in front of me. And so Dad Hagen used to encourage us all the time. Repeatedly, he would encourage us, stay at the table. Amen. Keep turned toward the table. But there's enemies present. And so people will turn around and, and they'll get all occupied with what the enemy's doing behind them. But notice, thou preparest the table before me or in front of me. Stay with what's in front of you. And God has put victory in front of you, not behind you, in front of you. Amen. It's in front of you. It's right there. 
It's right at your reach if you'll take it. But too many times people turn around their attention and they start, they ignore what God's put before them and they're paying attention to what's behind them when you need to keep the enemy behind you. Is what, remember what Jesus did? He turned his back when, when Peter said, he said, get thee behind me, Satan. See, you can't, you, can't, you can't get the devil to leave you alone in the sense that he's God of this world. He's present. You're going to hear his threats. You're going to sense the pressure and the opposition. But that's not because you're failing. That's not because your faith isn't working. That's not because you're disobeying God. That's because of one reason. He's present. You know, tonight we can look up there, and I hadn't even noticed this until I just looked up. There's ceiling fans way up there. That's interesting. They're way up there. Do they help, they help the rafters up there keep them cool, huh? <laughs> oh, it pushes the heat down. See, we don't need that in California. We're redeemed from... <laughs> from winter. <laughs> but I walked in this building tonight, and I wasn't overly awed and impressed. In fact, I didn't even notice, but they, they were present all along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. The enemy could be present all, all along, but that doesn't mean you need to be impressed or awed by him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give him no more credit than he's present. Yes, come on, it's so good. He's just present. He's just present. Yeah, he's a defeated, present yeah. foe. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Now, we, we need to become skillful. We need to become skillful in those times of pressure and those times of difficulty with this understanding. Yeah, I sense pressure. Yeah, I'm hearing the threats that the enemy makes. Yes, I'm hearing his suggestions. But the only reason I'm hearing that is because he's present. But I'm not going to give it my attention because if I do, I'll be disturbed. Well, and like I said, too many times people are trying to get the devil... Uh, they're, 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 they're thinking that they'd be peaceful if the circumstances in life would change. But if, or if the pressures weren't there. If the devil would leave them alone or they're waiting for something to pass. But real victory is undisturbed right in the big middle of all that. That's where peace is of its most and greatest value is when things are not in place. I was uh, in a store the other day and there was a plaque in there and I, I appreciated it when I read it. And it said, life is not about waiting for the storm to stop. It's about learning to dance in the rain. What's that mean? Regardless of circumstances, don't let the difficulties around you decide what your life is going to be like. That'll take all the moody out of you. Yeah, come on. That'll take all the crabby out of you. That when you, when, when you come home from work, the kids don't know what daddy's going to act like. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yeah. It's all dependent. Let me tell you something. It's all dependent on what your attention is on. Is it on the enemies that are present or is it on the table that God's prepared before you? Notice he's prepared a table before you. He's not having to wait till the last minute to try to get you what you need. It's already prepared. It's already prepared. Now go with me, if you would, to Proverbs chapter 4. Because we want to look at what Paul had at his, at his access to. Paul, how did you learn? How did you learn? One of the darkest places you're at, you, a man could find himself. How did you learn to be undisturbed, content, and joyful? In that time. And now we see here in Proverbs chapter 4, in verse 20, it says, My son, attend to my words. Could we not say that this word attend means put your attention on? We could say this. My son, put your attention where? On my words. In other words, something is going to want your attention. Now make sure your attention goes with my word. You know, it's important that you learn in the, in the, daily, the daily living of life 
when things aren't pressuring you, learn to discipline your attention. Like in a church service, learn to discipline your attention. You when you see somebody else walk out, I mean, you've seen people walk, don't lose. Yeah, right, right. Learn to, because take advantage of those little times like that to learn to hold your attention because that's the habit you're going to carry into difficulties. Oh, boy, that's good. Boy, that's something. Then when things get difficult, you'll know how to hold your attention because you've been practicing. Yes. You practice every day holding your attention on the right thing. And, and, and if I can say this, there are times every day of your life there is a resisting of the enemy that you have to do. There's just, just ongoingly. It's just, a, it's, just, it's just the flow of resistance that we have, to, we have to operate in. And it's not a negative flow. It's a positive That's flow. That's right. That's right. We, we, we have thoughts that will come to us all day long. We have suggestions that come all day long. And, and, and we resist those. But then there are those seasons where it's blow after blow, when Paul talked about. Blow after blow. And it's a whole other thing to learn that discipline when you're in that season of temptation. But if you didn't learn it in the daily things of life, you're going to have a difficulty when it comes to seasons of difficulty, seasons of testing, seasons of temptations. So you not only have to become skillful in everyday life at holding your attention on the Word, but then you have to learn it again at a level when it's a season of difficulty, a season of temptation, when there's great pressure. And people will say, what's the matter with me? There's so much pressure. That's because the enemy's present, and that's because you may be going through a season of temptation, but you've got to learn it that season. I refuse to let my attention go off the Word and off of what is mine. I refuse to let my attention get absorbed with what is against me instead of what is for me. Amen. In Dad Hagen's book called uh, Casting Your Cares Upon the Lord, it's a little mini book. In the fifth chapter, the very last chapter, he talks about, he said the reason that many people have not received healing because they haven't let go of the symptoms out of their thought life yet. Now listen to that. He said, because they haven't let go of the symptoms out of their thought life. Their whole thoughts are absorbed with what they're feeling, what they're facing. You have to practice that. You understand? You have to practice. You don't learn it if you don't practice it. And Paul said, I had to learn it. How did he learn it? By practicing it. You saw, you saw Brother Joel up there and, and Tony Jones and, and junior, senior and junior. You see them up there playing. You know how they got good at it? You know how they learned it? They practiced. Yeah. And Paul says, I learned. How did he learn? He practiced. Yeah. And you have to practice in the daily difficulties of life holding your attention on the right thing. Then when a, a season of, of, of testing comes, then you'll, you'll know exactly what to do at an elevated level. Yeah. And God is letting us know, my son, attend, put your attention on my words. You see, in our church, I, there's one thing I've never done in, in our church, because I, I, I see it differently than other people. I don't have a classroom over here for recovering alcoholics. I don't have one class for recovering drug addicts. I don't have a class over here for perversion. I don't have another class over here for smokers. I don't have another class over here for, you know, pornography people. I don't have another class over here for depressed people. I don't have it. Why? Because the, the answer for everyone's the same. It's the word. It's the and, word. I, yeah. and, and I'm not going to congregate people in a room based on their need. I'm going to congregate yeah. them together based on the answer, and yeah. the answer is the same for all of us, so all of us Amen. get in the same room. The same word that helps me through my difficulty helps you through your difficulty, so don't label yours as special. My difficulty is bigger than yours or harder than yours. The same word that will deal with my difficulty will deal with yours. And too many times people lay too much credibility on their difficulty and they don't lay the proper credibility on the Word and they're gathering themselves, oh, I went through that test, I went through that test and it's all about their test because they're, they're occupied with the one that's present instead of the one that's in them. Glory to God. Proverbs 4 verse 20 says, My son, attend, put your attention on my Word. Let me tell you something. Your life goes the direction of your attention. Did you not remember this in school? Didn't your school life go the direction of your, of your attention? Didn't your grades go the direction of your attention? Yeah. You could tell who was paying attention and who wasn't when test time came. You could tell. You could be present in the classroom and not hear a word the teacher said. 
You can be present in a church oh, yeah. service, oh, not yeah. take in anything that's said, but test time will show it up. Test time will show it up. So he says, my son, attend to my words. Then he tells us in the next, in the next three phrases uh, how to attend to his word. This is how you attend to his word. Number one, incline your ear to my sayings. When I, when I think of this word incline, I think of this word turn. Turn your ear to my sayings. In other words, your ear is going to hear a lot of different sayings. Now, you're going to have to turn your ear to the direction of my speaking, to the direction of my words. So turn your ear towards him. Then the second thing of how to hold your attention on him is let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep his, wor keep his words in your, within your focus. You're always focused on something. I'm not talking about your physical eyes. I'm talking about the vision of your faith. Yeah. Keeping, your, keeping your eyes on the right thing. Then the third thing that he tells us here, keep them in the midst of thine heart. So his words have to go in your ear, your eye, and your heart. That's how, that's how your attention is gained through your ears, your eyes, and your heart. You know, when I was growing up, my dad is a cotton and wheat farmer there in southwest Oklahoma. And uh, right down the street, when we lived in a little town until I was eight years old, we, I lived in a little town called Olusty, Oklahoma. And right down, right down the street, maybe half a block from our house, was the cotton gin. And I don't quite know how the cotton gins operate today. I'm sure they're a lot more developed and, you know, than, than they were then. I don't know if it's much of the same procedures. But we, part, of, part of our daily life was seeing that cotton gin operating during that, you know, during cotton season. And you would, these men would fill up their trailers with the cotton and they would drive it. There was an overhang, just like a carport like you have out here, but it was just a large overhang right out in front of the building, and there was a big tube, uh, an aluminum-type tube that, that hung down from the middle of that overhang. And it was a big vacuum, basically, and a man would stand on the rim of that, and, with his, and it was hinged at the top, and with his body weight, he would swing that tube, and he would go all through that trailer with that tube, just st standing on it, swinging it, uh, you know, sucking up that cotton. And in that tube were... Uh, fingers, if I could say, it's metal fingers that would separate the cotton from the seed. And it was a big vacuum and sometimes uh, it, it wasn't uncommon. Uh, every year or two, uh, something would happen. The suction was so strong that sometimes it'd grab the man's shoelace or it would grab his pant leg and if it did, he went up in it because whatever got under that suction is what was drawn up. Wow. And, and to me, it's like that, that that's what our attention is. That whatever we swing our attention over is what's drawn up right, right. into our hearts, into our lives. Yeah. And you're the one that determines where your attention swings, not the devil. And he will put all kinds of things around your life to try to get your attention in a certain direction. But it's up to you where your attention goes. It's not up to him. And what you let your attention swing over is what's going to be drawn up. Wow into your life. I, I remember uh, some time ago I was watching on TV a, uh, I was watching a, a documentary they, they were doing on a man who was the one who spearheaded the Palomar Observatory. That's in Southern California. That's where they had the big telescope that looks into outer space. And it, it was developed, it, it was technology that of course had never been had before. And so he had raised millions of dollars, the scientists had raised millions of dollars to build this telescope. And uh, he had gotten Rockefeller involved in it, Henry Ford involved in it, so he had millions of dollars that he had raised, which was huge in the early 1900s. And in raising this, he came under a lot of pressure because he not only had to build this, this complex, and, but he had to get scientists together from all over the world to develop the technology to even build the lens for it because they didn't even have the technology created for the lens at that time. And so he had to gather scientists to do this. And so they, they had worked for several years. And under the strain and the pressure of it, if, you know, when you're accountable for millions of dollars, you better produce. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Come on. 
And uh, so he was under the strain and the pressure of this, and I don't, I don't know if he wasn't resting properly or what, but he told a co-worker, a, a fellow scientist one day, he, because they turned the story from the project itself and started talking about the man who was spearheading this project. And they said to him, they said about him that a co-worker they were interviewing said that he came in one day and told, told this co-worker, he said, last night a being appeared in my bedroom. Well, he was seeing an evil spirit, didn't realize, you know. And uh, he said, a being appeared in, in my bedroom, and he said this to me. He said, your attention is mine, and it will always be mine. And I thought, how revealing of the enemy. He's exposing his strategy yeah, yeah. Wow. against you. He didn't say your life is mine. He didn't say your mind is mine. He didn't say your wealth is mine. He didn't say your future is mine. He didn't say your motives are mine. He said your tension is mine. And it will always be mine. Because the devil knows if he's got your attention, he's got everything connected to you. Now, God knew that that's a, a strategy of the enemy because he said, my son, put your attention on my words. He's already told us the devil's after your attention. He's after your attention, but he says, put it on my words. Then uh, I, I'm reminded of a story I, I took note of when we were with Pastor Jay Eberly. He pastors in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. But before he uh, pastored there and before he had his own traveling ministry years ago, he attended Rhema and then he became an instructor there in healing school for six years. He worked in healing school. And he said one day he was sitting on the platform before healing school started. And healing school, that particular class, you had to be sick to be in that class. And, uh, or you had to be attending to someone who was there sick. And so as he was getting ready to, to do the service that, that day, he said uh, he had a vision. And in the vision, he saw all these sick people that were there gathered in the auditorium. And they were holding their arms like this around them. And they're sitting there with their arms folded around their bodies like this. And he said, God, what is that that I'm seeing? And God said, the reason they're not receiving healing is because they're holding on to their sickness. And he said, what do you mean they're holding on to their sickness? They didn't come to healing school to hold on to their sickness. They came to healing school to receive healing. And this is what God said to him that day when he saw that vision. He said, what they've got their minds on is what they're attending to. Their bodies are here, yes. Their desires are here, but their minds or their attention is on their symptoms and on their bodies. It's not on my word. Therefore, they're not receiving my word. What your attention is on is what you're receiving. You understand? If your attention is on the pressure, that's what you're going to receive, more of that pressure. If your attention is on the difficulty, that's what is going to flow in your life, more of that difficulty. But if your attention is on God and His Word and on victory, that's what's going to get the movement in your life. And if I could say it this way, uh, what do you do, Pastor Nancy? Haven't you ever been there when bombardment against the mind? And it's, it, it, you, you try to think different, but... It just seems like every time you pick up your mind and try to put it on something else, that bombardment, what do you do? You praise your way out of that. Praise your way out. Hallelujah. Many times, now don't misunderstand me, I believe in praying in other tongues. I preach and teach it and do it, praying in other tongues. But when you're speaking in other tongues, the Bible says the mind's not edified. Why is that? The mind isn't, the mind, that's not originating with the mind. It's originating with the spirit. It's bypassing the mind. And so you can be speaking in other tongues and the devil and your mind just be uncontrolled. And your mind just be running here and running there and not disciplined. Now, if you pray long enough in tongues, you can bring that mind under. But when your mind is being bombarded and you, take, and you, go, you go aside and you, you try to pray in tongues to get past that, that's not how you get past that necessarily. It may help you get, it'll help you get in the spirit. But uh, I have found this, when my mind is under great pressure, under great bombardment, that's the time I start praising. Yeah. Why? I'm putting my attention. Yeah. I'm taking my attention off of what is trying to get felt. Yeah. And listen, I, I, I so appreciate something Dad Hagen told about something that happened to him years ago when he was pastoring. He said, I, uh, he says, I was walking through the house one day 
and he didn't he did not specify or give detail of what what he was facing particularly on this occasion but he said uh, there was something a suggestion or the circumstance he was in that was fearful and uh, he's in his house and the devil said see I've got you now you're in fear and he said look at you even your body's shaking you're in fear I've got you now and Brother Hagin says, I looked down and my hands were physically shaking from the pressure of the circumstance of what he was in. His body was shaking. And he said, devil, he said, my body may be shaking, but my body's not the real me. The spirit is the real me, and yeah. my spirit's not shaking. The devil was trying to get his attention on the natural. My son, attend or put your attention on my words. So I want you to know there will be times that when you go through a season of the test, your mind and your body will feel that. Why? Because he's present, the devil's present, the enemies are present. But that doesn't mean that your attention has to follow those things that are present. We were, we were, I, we were having a conversation with a pastor just recently. Before he was saved and before he pastored, he was a drug addict. And he was uh, other things beside that, but he was also a drug addict. And he said, uh, he was telling us, he said, uh, I went through, you know, back to his own hometown to visit, went through his old neighborhood, and he said, well, I was driving through that neighborhood of where I was when I was a kid and growing up and on drugs and everything. He says, as I was driving my car just through the neighborhood, he said, my body started responding as though I was back on drugs. He said, my mouth started acting. I don't know if it was wet. He said it was, it was saliva, you know, the saliva was getting stirred up as though he were back on drugs. He said, my heart started palpitating as though I was back on drugs. He said, it was almost like I could feel myself going high like I was back on drugs. Wow. And he said, and as soon as I drove out of that old neighborhood, it stopped. Because see, when you go back and put your attention on a place. Come on now. Place where you were delivered from. But this is what I want you to see. Just because his body felt it didn't make it true. Yes. Your body's going to feel some things. That doesn't make it true. Your mind is going to hear some things. That doesn't make it true. The Word tells us faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word. Uh, what, what's God telling us? Faith comes by rep repeatedly hearing the same thing over and over and over. That's how you get the word in your spirit, in your heart, is by repeatedly hearing it over and over. Well, even so, the devil knows that repetition works. That's why he repeatedly will bombard your mind. What's he trying to do? He's trying to get something in your heart. But you know what? If you won't put your attention on what he's suggesting right. to you. Now, just because, you're, just because you hear it doesn't mean your attention's on it. You can hear something that's not getting your attention. And just because you can hear it doesn't mean you have to turn your attention to that. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so we are to hold our attention. And one of the best ways that when you're bombarding, when you're being bombarded and you're laying at night in bed and you can't calm the mind or trying to quiet the mind, the thing is, try, don't, it's not about trying to get rid of the thought. You can't get rid of the thought in the sense of you can't keep the devil from talking, but you can do the right thing. Yeah, and you can put your attention on the right thing. Amen. And what do you do? You get up and you start praising God and you start worshiping God and you start getting loud about it. Yeah. Hallelujah. And I want you to know there is no situation you can't praise your way out of. There's no difficulty you can't praise your way out of. You need to believe in repetition as much as God and the devil believe in it. And you have to repeatedly stand up day after day when you're going through opposition. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And the devil will say, saying praise the Lord is not enough for your situation, but I want you to know the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. He's trying to pull you into doing something carnal. He's trying to get you with your own works and with your own effort to get you through that test. But I want you to know praising the Lord is enough because the weapons of our warfare, they're spiritual. Amen. Amen. That you can say, praise the Lord and praise your way out of that depression. Yeah. You can praise the Lord and say, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, holding your attention on God and His Word. Yeah. Not holding your attention on what you're going through. And not praising God with your mind on what you're facing. 
but praising God with your heart turned toward Him and resting on the victory that He has already made yours. I want you to know where your attention goes is where your life goes. And if you never learn to take charge of your attention, you'll never have strong faith. You understand that? Because people of strong faith are people who hold their attention on the right thing. My son, attend yeah. to my words. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Well, are you helped tonight? Yeah. What was Paul telling us? I've learned how to be content. Not disturbed or disquieted in whatever state I am. Couldn't we say this? I've learned how to hold my attention. I've learned how to hold my attention on the right thing. Because he was right in the middle of something wrong something difficult, something dark. And he said, but it's not in me because that's not where my attention is. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stand with me to your feet if you would tonight. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. We're so grateful for your word tonight. We're so grateful. We're so appreciative. We praise the Lord. Lift up your voice and let's praise. Praise the Lord. 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 We praise you, Father. We glorify you. We glorify you. We praise you, Father. I want you to know the exit road out of your difficulty is paved with praise. And that's why it says that Paul and Silas, they prayed and sang praises. What were they doing? After they prayed and, and released their faith about the situation they were in, notice what they did. They started praising. Why? To hold their attention off of what they were feeling, of the, thing, of the surroundings they were in. Because praising helps hold your attention on the right thing. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. I want to do this tonight if I could. If you're in here and you've been dealing with depression or oppression, I want to minister to you if I could. Because I want you to know there's help for you. You don't have to live that way. I said you don't have to live that way. If that's you, come up here real quickly and we'll minister to you. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isn't the word good? I said, isn't the word good? Hallelujah. 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 of you that are up here, I'm going to lay hands on you. The power of God's going to come on you and going to assist you, going to help you and cause those things to be removed off your life. But how many of you know you have to live right? I said you have to live right. You can't participate in wrong things and live wrong and keep the door closed to the enemy, right? Hallelujah. But you also have to do the right thing with your thought life, have to do the right thing with your mind. If you want to live free, you have to live in line with the Word, not in line with what's pressuring you. Amen? So after I lay hands on you, your, your sole job is say, Thank God I'm free. Thank God I'm free. Thank God I'm free. Thank God I'm free. Some of you may sense an immediate change. Some of you, it may, you may not sense it immediately, but gradually. That's not the issue. It's not about what you feel. It's about what you know. And we know this, that the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Congregation, reach your hands out toward these people. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word. Free in Jesus. Woo. Free.
free and free in Jesus name free in Jesus name free in Jesus name free free in Jesus name free in Jesus name hallelujah 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 thank you father hallelujah hallelujah Let's just keep worshiping the Lord tonight. Father, we thank you. Okay. Uh, those of you dealing with thoughts of suicide, we want to minister to you. Come up here. You know, Dr. Summerall said this that was enlightening to me. He said, every man at some point in his life will have to deal with the spirit of suicide. He said the reason is Jesus had to deal with it. When he was in the wilderness, the, the devil tempted him to cast himself off the temple, you know, that the angels would catch him. He said that's a spirit of suicide. And he said uh, every man will face it because Jesus faced it. Isn't that interesting? And sometimes people just need help on standing against that. Hallelujah. So if that's you, come up here. We'll minister to you. Hallelujah. always cutting herself trying to that's a that, that's a that's a suicidal spirit anything you know people we called right a few minutes ago people thinking suicide <clears throat> but if you just don't like yourself that is a spirit of suicide yeah, it, works on you. it works on you it works on you it puts you down puts you down puts you down and then you, you just don't want to live no more well, that's a spirit of suicide. And many of you should have been up here because you're going through that and God's wanting to help you. I said, God's wanting to help you. Praise the Lord. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke that thing and I you said thoughts thoughts of trying to change your gender mm -hmm. trying to get you get you to change your gender mm -hmm. there's a there's there's a few in here that need you, you need to be delivered you need to be delivered tonight. We're not, we're not here to judge you. My God, we all came the same way. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I, ha I had a preacher. I, 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 I had a preacher, and I saw it in a dream. He was talking to some other ministers. Now, I, can't, I just can't imagine where he got to. But he said, you know, Ed is starting to have the tendencies of homosexual. Remember I told you that? Vaguely. Vaguely. I, I mean, I, I, it was in a dream God was showing me. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said that. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, afterwards, I, I, when I got back from Mexico, I mean, I got hammered on that. Yeah, that you were unclean or something was wrong. No, I wasn't yeah. unclean, but I got hammered. You yeah, know what I'm talking about? The, yeah. Those thoughts started yeah. trying to get me to yeah. meditate on that. Yeah. And I'm normal, believe me. 
I'm trying, I'm trying to help you. Just like she said, uh, where, where the devil tried to get Jesus to commit suicide and jump off. I was very interested with Dad Summerall. Somebody going to have, you're going to have to deal with that in your, in your Christian life. How many, just be honest, that, that you just, you didn't want to go anymore. You just, did, you didn't, let me see your hand. You just, you didn't want to go anymore. You, you know, that, those thoughts, so you just want to, you just didn't want to go no more. Easier to quit and stuff like that. See, that, the, those spirits run around together. I've been there. I guess I'm the only one. I mean, I've been there. I, I remember when, when, when my, uh, I was married before, my first wife left. I, laid, I was preaching, and, and, and at night I'd lay in bed. I said, I, was, I just want my heart to stop. I'm so embarrassed. I'm so, and God said, get up out of that bed, and you help other people, and you'll get healed. See, what was that? That was a suicidal spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Amen, and I'm not a nut. We just got to know how he operates and how he works. Is there anybody? Come on up here. Anybody, you come up here. Don't be embarrassed. I said, don't be embarrassed. Get help. Yeah. Many don't even recognize that it's a spirit working on them. They just think it's their thoughts. Yeah. It's not your thought. And then I, I know this. The devil will tell people, you're, you're a male locked in a female body. That's a, lying, that's a lie. That's a lie. They'll, that's they'll a tell lie. you, you're, you're, a, you're, a, you're a male locked in a female body or you're a female locked in a male body. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. <laughs> so come up here. You can be free. Yeah. Isn't that good? You can be free. You can be free. You can be free. Yeah. You can be free. You can be free. Hallelujah. Come on up here. There's help for you. There's help for you. Remember what I said? It's not about, the, you know, we don't put the drug addict in one room and the, you know, the, the alcoholic in another room and the smoker in another room. The, the word's the same. We all need the same word. No matter what your difficulty, no matter what the opposition, we all need the same word. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, when, when earlier in the service, I, I seemed to be drawn to a certain person, and I, I can't even quite see it. I'm going to have to walk back here to point you out so I can, I can just minister to you. I don't know what it's about, but I just seem to be drawn to minister to you. This, this young man right here in the, yeah, in the plaid shirt, can I minister to you? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you go to this church? or yeah. You do? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just reach out your hands this direction. Raise up your hands. Just reach up, reach up your hands. Free in, Jesus, free in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Free in Jesus' name. How old are you? 19. 19. Hallelujah. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. 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 You got anything else, lovey? Hallelujah. Isn't the word good? 